the next generation of radio. It's the MyMac.com podcast. from the MyMac.com studios. It's your hosts, Tim Robertson and Chad Perry. I'm Tim Robertson. And I'm Chad Perry. And uh, we are less than two weeks away from Christmas. And uh, as we were just talking about, Neither one of us has uh, completed our gift shopping for our wives yet. No. We're bad. You know, and the sad thing is I actually have a good list this year from her. So I have zero list. I keep asking, well, what do you think you would like for Christmas? What's some things that you would enjoy? And, of course, it's the same old story. Oh, I don't know. Nothing. Nothing. I don't really care. You know. But you know if you buy the wrong thing, it's like. See, and that's what, I, that's what I'm wondering. Is it. Is it really that they don't care, or is it just a, a test they put us through every year? I think it's probably a combination of both. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they get small pleasures out of uh, tormenting us. So. Yeah, I think, you know, the first year I was married, I was told flat out by other women that, yes, this is the test. You're, you're <laughs> supposed to be observing and seeing what she wants and then getting it. But we're not good at observing. No guy is. Oh, we no. think we are, but we're we're so wrapped up in nothing that we don't observe anything around us for the most part yeah unless you're santa claus and then you're seeing then if you, they're naughty or nice that's but. right and <laughs> but he's always watching but even then he's only got like a little binary list you're either a naughty or you're a nice that's right absolutely so uh you have a twin person a twin a long lost twin brother a doppelganger i'm not sure I, it it was kind of eerie yeah so chad gets an email from our london correspondent david cohen and it, was it his wife? Yes. Yes, his wife had seen the video review that Chad and I have online right now at MyMac.com, which we'll get to in a minute. And uh, she made the comment, what? Basically, she had said, gosh, David, he looks an awful lot like you. <laughs> <laughs> so they sent he sent a picture of the two of you next to each other. Yeah. And sure enough, you guys look very similar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's more. He's a little more handsome than you are. But, I think he is too. Yeah. You know that that probably goes without saying, really. <laughs> yeah, I saw that picture and I was like, "Wow, they they really do look a lot alike." <laughs> he's got a little bit more prominent eyebrow, at least in that picture. Yeah, than I you would do. say so. And his eyes are open a little wider than mine. Yeah, a little and more. Nemo touched up the picture for him. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that article that John did on our website? Yes, I did. On how to make from. somebody less squinty. Yeah, and. He used the picture that we took, gosh, what was that, maybe six months ago? Yeah, I think it was July. He and his wife and his daughter were in town. We're, we're coming through. going yeah. through town from Detroit to Chicago or Chicago mm-hmm. to Detroit, one of the two. I think it was from Chicago towards Ann Arbor or something. Yeah. Or maybe he was coming from Ann Arbor. I think he was coming from Yeah, and uh, we, got an, we got a couple of nice pictures. And, of course, the son was behind. Was It, it was his daughter that was taking the pictures, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, his daughter's wife, I can't remember. And uh, the son was behind her. Mm-hmm. And so I w- I'm real sensitive to bright lights. In fact, nowadays, it's it's even worse than... I've got perfect eyesight, but like if I'm driving at night, mm-hmm. I have crap 
um, night vision. I yeah. I just can't. I hate driving at night now, especially mm-hmm. uh, on like country roads where it's completely dark. I'm fine, but if another car goes by, psh, yeah, blind you out. Even yeah. if I I'm not looking at his lights, it doesn't make a difference. I mm-hmm. I don't even like someone behind me at nighttime because it just I have horrible night vision nowadays. Yeah, and uh, so I was squinting in that picture, mm-hmm. and uh, do you want to kind of explain what John what John's Article is about. It's called. It's on the website. It's Nemo's ten point two. Get a look this number, way. Number five. <laughs> opening Tim Robertson's eyes using Photoshop. And what tool was that he was the, using? The, he's using the uh, uh, Liquify filter and the tools up in that, and uh, using uh, Adobe CS two. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it worked, but you know he showed the close up of of using the tool to open up my eyes a little bit. And it was quite freaky. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was a little freaked out about it, but I, uh, you know, it, obviously it came through me first mm-hmm. before it's posted online because anything on the feature side goes through me, mm-hmm. and I do any edits or anything like that. So obviously I saw it before it was posted online, and I'm a good sport about it, you know what mm-hmm. the heck. Um, but it still kind of creeped me out when I saw it. I was like, oh, <laughs> I look like an alien or something. I it's, know the, the close up you did look like you had like little black alien slit eyes or something that's right uh also up on the website right now chad and i did a video review and that is finally posted um yep that's for the iFusion and the zvox 350 we actually did that video review before the last podcast didn't we i think we did yeah i think yeah. we mentioned it yeah because it was so. not last week and the weekend before we talked about it but we hadn't posted it at yes that time. and uh, it is posted now i think it's probably a little bit longer than it needs to be yeah. It's like 13 minutes, and you know what? We could have probably done the whole thing in five, yeah. honestly. So uh, the next video review that we'll do, uh, we will definitely shorten that up just a little bit, mm-hmm. as needed. You know, And also, though, quite in, in all fairness, we did that in one take. Yeah, um, I don't think I've ever done a video review, and I've done a few of them online. Most of them has been quite a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I was always by myself in, in those reviews, but... One take is probably not the way you want to do it. I mean, you yeah. you, you probably want to have a little bit more of a script than what we had. And uh, kind of cut to the chase. I mean, it's video. And just mm-hmm. watching two guys standing there, and and it's it's not the most exciting, I don't think. Well, and when you're, view- when you're reviewing audio equipment, it's a little tougher, too. Yeah, because they can't listen to the audio equipment live. I mean, it, if you're doing a video and you play music through the device, well, the people listening, it's only going to sound as good as their headphones or the computer speakers that they're listening to. Right. So, But I did download that video and put it on the Mac Mini. Mm-hmm. And if you remember right, last week I was talking, was it last week or the week before? Uh, I was talking about the Mac Mini in the living room, mm-hmm. that I have it hooked up to my television and through the stereo, and it looks like crap as far as uh, the desktop and, and stuff yeah. like that, but video looks really good on it, but I played it on my TV at full screen mm-hmm. video on there, and it, it looked really good, so really? I, was, yeah, I was quite surprised. That it looks better there than it does on my PowerBook, so... Huh. Go figure. And, it, of course, it looks horrible on my cinema display, but, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. what do you expect? And... uh yeah, we did use MPEG-4 uh, for that video, and it probably is going to look best if you're subscribed th- uh, to this podcast via the Apple iTunes Music Store. Uh, you automatically download it because I posted it that way. Yeah. And uh, it will look better in uh, that application than just watching it by itself, I think. It just mm-hmm. seems to, it, it really came out well 
inside QuickTime as opposed or inside iTunes, iTunes as opposed to by itself in QuickTime. Yep. <clears throat> so, uh, looks like we've got something new coming in for a video review. Do you want to let loose what it is, or <clears throat> are you going to surprise people with it? Um, no, it's no big surprise. Um, I can't remember what the name of the product is though. <laughs> uh, let me see if I have it. No, I don't think I sent it to myself. Um, it's a light-up keyboard that uh, has a, like a little switch on it that you mm-hmm. push, and the keys themselves are some kind of a backlight in there. Really, and it shines through, and it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's like seventy bucks. Hmm. Um, I, I am checking online at home, and I think it's supposed to show up Friday. They sent it FedEx three or four day ground. So, right. and uh, so I I can't really give it a, an informed opinion on it yet because obviously it's not here yet and I haven't played with it yet but it was kind of neat because that it's that is actually something I have personally always wanted a keyboard that lights up mm-hmm. um I'm a excellent typer but there's times that I I want to look at the keys yeah um and and if the room is dark and your keyboard sits lower than where your monitor is so you, it, the mm-hmm. light from the monitor really doesn't shine on it yeah. it's it's not easy to do and if there's a little button like this keyboard has that you just click and the light, the keys light up, I think that's a, just a terrific idea. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's USB powered, so yeah. it's not a wireless keyboard. But I kind of like that because then you don't have to worry about changing batteries mm-hmm. and how much uh, the keyboard's lighting up is going to drain the battery and all that. This, yeah. Yeah. Not fun. Uh, and there's something else coming. I'm trying to remember what it was. It's a brand new product. Something about streaming... Um, it works wirelessly or plugged into your network. It hooks to your TV. It will access your music, your pictures, your videos, all that. Wow. And it will also present it in high-definition format on hmm. your television. It's a brand-new product. Uh, they contacted us. They were looking for different Mac publications that would be interested in reviewing it. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, go ahead, send me one. I don't care. And so that's coming. We'll probably do a video review of that as well. Yeah, that may be worth it. We've also... Uh, Last week we had the Pod Safe for Peace and Slough yep. online and uh, did the interview there. If you guys are wondering what this noise is, I'm wearing my coat because it's actually chilly in here where we're recording today, and I just don't feel like freezing. <laughs> so I'll put up with a little bit of extra noise during the podcast as long as you don't hear my teeth chattering. Well, I've got hot coffee in my tummy, so I'm yeah, and I'm putting ice cold Mountain Dew in mine, so that's <laughs> real smart. I know. Also up on the website, we have Maxpiration. By the way, I wasn't playlist. done talking about the Podsafe, dude. Oh, I'm the, sorry. Uh, we've got we've you. got banners on our site now, Podsafe for Peace. So if you visit our site and you were you enjoy the song that we played last week, uh, and you want to uh, buy it, it's only ninety nine cent. All the proceeds mm-hmm. are going directly to UNICEF. So uh, check out our site, mymac.com. Look for the banners, Podsafe for Peace. I actually created those banners. After talking to Slough a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, I created a uh, you know the normal size banner at the top of the page, and then a 100 by 100 one on for the right side of our page. And I created the banners, and, and Adam Carnabog posted them up on our website. But I also sent them to Slough, and now they've posted them on their website as well, so anybody can use those banners on their website. So if you guys really want to help out a really cool cause, go up to podsafeforpeace.org. Download the banners, yep. put them up on your website, and uh, see if we can raise some money for a really good cause. Yep. Okay. I'm done, so you can go now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were done, but that's all right. Uh, we got uh, another article from Donnie Yankelo, Maxpiration, the iTunes playlist. We've actually posted uh, 
two of his thumbnail cartoons up there mm-hmm. online right now. Really funny stuff. We've got a couple more getting ready to post. By the way, I was talking about, I think it was last week or it might have been the week before, that John Farr is going to uh, start writing for us a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I have his first um, official MyMac.com review, and it's on Photoshop CS2. So cool. That's probably going to be posted... Um, well, this podcast is going to... I don't usually post any other articles the day that we post the podcast because mm-hmm. I put a lot of information. I don't want to knock anybody off too far right. underneath ours. So it'll probably be posted Friday and uh, with a review as well from uh, Bakari, the mm-hmm. multimillionaire. Hey, excellent. <laughs> so that's... Uh, and John Farr is talking that he wants to start contributing a little bit more on the Mac side of things. And, of that's course, great. John Farr was a really, really... Uh, maybe infamous is a better word, Mac writer for seven years at Apple Inks. It's the only reason I ever went to Apple Inks. And when he was, well, when he left Apple Inks, let's just put it that way, I pretty much stopped visiting that site. Yeah. Um, I, I check it out maybe once or twice a month now just to see what's going on, but it, not much from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's really I don't want to say that negatively towards Apple Inks. It's just I really enjoy John Farr's writing there, and without it, the site just doesn't seem the same to me. Kurt Heiner still works there, and he he's really a good writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of the stuff I can yeah, it's not that not that big of a deal to me. So I'm really excited to have John Farr. You know, um, yeah, going to contribute at mymac.com. Um, the twelve days of Xmas gets costlier from. Uh, Owen Rubin. It's that's an interesting article. He actually uh, takes the song, and if you were talking about Apple <laughs> Gear, and adds up how much that would really be, and it's quite surprising. Mm. And uh, David Weeks also has a review of a uh, newer technology battery charger and conditioner. Yep. And uh, there's a couple book reviews and something called the My Mac Podcast 57. If we go down far enough, <laughs> and hopefully you've heard that already. Yeah, you, know. you probably listened to that last week. Want to jump into some news? or Sure, let's go ahead and jump into the news. Uh, opener we've got here, this is uh, from uh, the Mac... Mac Minute? Mac Minute, thank you. <laughs> You're up to date Mac news in a minute. Apple may be holding back the music biz. This is from December 13th. A commentary column on Business Week today looks at Apple's influence in the music industry with its iPod and iTunes success in recent years. The report quotes a number of industry insiders who feel that the company's proprietary technology and its refusal to offer more ways to buy music are hindering legal sales of digital music. The villain in this story is the iPod, says Chris Gorog, CEO of Napster. You have this device, the iPod, consumers love, but they're being restricted from buying anything other than downloads from Apple. People are bored with that. The story asserts that music subscriptions are a tough sell to mainstream customers. The concept of a jukebox in the sky is not something most consumers intuitively get, says Dan Sheeran, a senior VP at Real. If Apple came in, it could change the game. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's the, the people they quote the most, the two people who've been... Yeah, the two companies, it's, it's yeah. the two companies that are hurting the most because they can't compete with Apple. Yep. And... It's not like Apple's doing anything underhanded or unfair or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple sells music to drive sales to the iPod. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. That's what yeah. the that's what the iTunes Music Store is all about. It's to get you to buy an iPod because that's where Apple's going to make the big money. Right. And the fact of the <clears> matter is, Steve Jobs and Apple have been getting pressure from the music industry to 
alter or raise the prices of the downloads through iTunes. Yeah, so they can make more money. That's right. And because the, the music industry doesn't get a profit of the iPod sales. No. As they shouldn't. I mean, <laughs> no, they shouldn't. It's, it's, that's just retarded. I mean, that, that'd be like Apple saying, well, you know what? People are, are uh, using our the hard drives and the computers we manufacture to rip their CDs. To, we should get a profit of the CDs that are sold. I mean, it's just it's stupid and yeah. and ridiculous, and and what it really comes down to is Apple has, at least as far as I'm concerned, the only real and viable digital music service on the planet that's oh, making money. Yeah, and for the most part, well, they are legal yeah. as opposed to what was there previously. Yeah, so. and and you know, for okay, Chris Gorig, the CEO of Napster. Well, dude, you. <laughs> I know this isn't the same Napster as the old Napster, but right. let's be honest. You bought a brand name that was notorious, notoriously being used for by for pirating music. And um, not that I personally ever did that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, come on, give me a break. It's, you know, if the, the villain here isn't the iPod, the villain here is that your business model isn't working, and so you're basically attacking somebody else because they're successful so you know what's apple going to do about this nothing they're probably snickering about it they probably think Mm -hmm. it's funny uh the next item from december 14th at macminute.com ipod minis is a hot ticket on ebay um ebay announced that the ipod mini which was discontinued in uh stores september 7th is holding its own against apple's sleek new ipod nano blah 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 well, basically what they're saying is people are buying a lot of iPod minis on mm-hmm. eBay. And in fact, they're selling more iPod minis than iPod nanos on eBay. Well, hello, of course. Yeah. People that are buying the iPod nano are using them. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of those people are upgrading from a mini. So what do they do with the iPod mini? They sell it on eBay. Sure. And people that are on eBay, you know how that gets sometimes. You start mm-hmm. bidding without stopping and thinking, you know what? I could probably just go buy a nano for around the same price. Right. You know, I, I almost see this as kind of a, a funny story that more than anything else. It, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. There's no high demand. Let me put it that, this way. There's no more of a high demand for used iPod minis than there are for brand new iPod nanos. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just one of those things that it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. And uh, in a similar story from the Mac Observer, the iPod nano shortages are driving consumers to eBay. <laughs> yeah. Which is basically the, you know, uh, okay, I can't buy the Nano, so I'll jump on eBay and buy an old-ass whatever. Yeah, a Mini. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know. Go ahead and read it if you want well, to. Basically, it says, just as Xbox 360 video game consoles are fetching marked-up prices on eBay, so are iPod Nanos, especially the 4-gig versions. Apple Insider reported on Wednesday that a 4-gig iPod Nano just sold for 355 bucks on eBay. $106 increase over its retail price, while several other open 4-gigabyte iPod Nano auctions have been around the $300 price point. It's just, I mean, who the hell would spend that much money on an iPod Nano? I guarantee it was a black one, too. It wasn't oh, a white yeah, Nano. Sure. It's got to be a black one. Um, is there a shortage going on? I don't know. Every time I go to, like, Best Buy or something, they've got them in stock. Yeah. And I, maybe it's somebody from a country that they don't have iPod Nanos. You can't buy an iPod Nano in Singapore, maybe. I don't know. Somewhere like that. So someone in Singapore is going to spend more money to get it shipped to them. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me, but 
then again. Well, the only other point in the story is basically it says the website pointed out that Apple's online store currently shows a one to two week ship time for a four gigapod. Four gigabyte iPod. What is that gigapod thing? Gigapod. You, you say it a lot. Gigapod. Gigapod. <laughs> Quick, let's. Wait, I'm gonna check something while you're. <laughs> no, there. do not look up gigapod while I'm on here. Gigapod.com. So, anyways, what it looks like is people are trying to go through the Apple Store to get it, and uh, there's a one to two week lag, which of course will not make the 11 days till Christmas. So. People are going on eBay. It looks like to try to get their iPods as soon as possible. Well, Which, once again, more you can go to any them. yeah, you can go to any brick and mortar place and get it right away, for the most part, at least around here. I, I don't think anybody owns Gigapod.com. No, no, that's not coming up. Well, go ahead and read the next one. I'm going to check to see if Gigapod is available. <laughs> okay, next story we've got is from December 13th. This is. Uh, iPod leads in user interface and cool factor. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on iPods today because there's not a lot going on in the Mac world. But anyways, Gene Munster, a research analyst with Piper Jeffries, maintained an outperform rating and a U.S. $79 price target on Apple. Notes Forbes, while non-iPod devices often have similar, if not broader, for example, an FM tuner, feature sets than the iPod, none of these devices have shown that they can compete in two key areas, user interface and cool factor. Munster believes that non-iPod devices must compete on price to gain adoption, but the massive relative shipment volume of the iPod prevents other MP3 player manufacturers from replicating the economies of scale achieved by Apple and allowing the company to continue to sell iPods at the lowest prices in the market. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gigapod is registered. It was actually registered uh, April 3rd this year. Really? So, yeah. See, mm-hmm. your, your slip of the tongue could have been a multi-million dollar idea had you been slipping up since we started the podcast yeah, a year ago. And I haven't. No. <laughs> Actually, this is... Um, 58. Well, I, I think uh, next week will mark the, the an official one-year anniversary of the podcast because yeah. if I'm not mistaken, I started the podcast um, December 26th or 27th, mm. maybe the 29th, and um, even though we've gone more than... Uh, 52 because this is a weekly podcast but we've doubled up a few weeks yeah plus we've had the david cohen mm-hmm. and um who who by the way is probably going to do some more which is yeah. awesomely cool um but you know next i i, I don't want to say the next podcast but probably the podcast after will be our official one-year anniversary mm. cool yeah yeah excellent uh, did you read the top one yet there? No, you can go ahead and take that one. Jobs makes number two on most admired CEOs list. A new global study condunced, con- <laughs> conducted by <laughs> Burston, Marsteller, and the Economist Intelligent Unit. What in the hell? <laughs> Economist Intelligent Unit. What is that an actual organization? If it is, it's one so. of the dumbest names I've ever heard. The, in- the Economist Intelligence Unit. What in the hell is that? The EIU. His name, Bill Gates, Microsoft's chairman and chief software architect. What? Bill Gates is their chief software architect? I didn't know that. When's the last time Bill Gates even touched a keyboard for anything more than checking his email? And he probably has a BlackBerry to do that. Yeah. Give me a break. (laughs) The world's most admired business leader. He's the most admired business leader? Well, that was according to the Economics Intelligence Unit. Yeah, there you go. The 2005 CEO Capital Study asked more than 600 global business influentials in 65 countries to write in which CEO or chairman they admire most in the business world today. 
Apple Steve Jobs was number two on the list with Warren Buffett. I always, whenever I hear Warren Buffett, I think of the singer Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I think, what? What? How is a singer this? Hey there, amigo. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Dell and Richard Branson rounding out the top five. You know what? This is a list of how many big name CEOs do you know? You think so? Well, yeah. I, you're telling me that these are the five best CEOs in the world. No, don't get me wrong. Nothing against Steve Jobs. I th- actually, I think he probably should rank up there. Mm-hmm. I don't think that uh, Bill Gates should be on that list, unless you, you know, when your com- when your con- uh, company is under siege for illegal business practices year after year after year, and you just, I think it was South Korea or somebody like that, just hit them up for like. Um, $32 million worth of fines for hmm. those types of practices. How is that being one of the most admired CEOs? You know, an admired CEO, in my opinion, would be somebody that would clean up their act. Yeah. You know, um, Michael Dell, he's one of the most admired. I mean, it's the Walmart of the computer make. They don't innovate anything. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're starting to lose. Well, they're not, let's just say they're not making as much money as they used to because they're losing a, so share. much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they've done away with the automatic free shipping. I mean, mm-hmm. now you have to order a certain amount to get free shipping, or it has to be in this class of processor. And well, and they've branched into HD TVs and yeah, because they can't cut it anymore. Just selling computers, uh, their Kmart branding price range of of selling computers is starting to fail them. Richard Branson, what the he's like? He's almost like the psycho CEO nowadays. <laughs> No, I'm serious. He for a while he had his own. Uh, it was basically an apprentice yeah. ripoff, mm-hmm. and and he's like the psycho that like goes parachuting and jumping out of planes and building rocket ships and mm-hmm. and now he wants he. They're starting a whole new brand under Virgin called Virgin, Virgin Galactic. Galactic. Yep. I mean the guy's, the guy's nutso. I mean he has all this money, and he just pisses it away. You know how much good he could do with that kind of money. You know what, Richard Branson, instead of building your little spaceship so you can take multi-millionaires out into orbit and fly them around the frickin' Earth for 45 minutes, I don't know. How about helping some homeless people? There's an idea, Maybe you know? he does. We don't know. No, we bullshit. We only know the big things. No, because that's what he's spending his money on. He's the millionaire playboy CEO of a company called Virgin. Mm-hmm. Virgin. Yeah, he well, he has these big jets... That are shaped like what? Virgin. He's <laughs> well, building. You know he's building he a the, rocket you ship. You know how they got the name for Virgin. The company, don't they? <laughs> I don't want to know. Well, it's basically when he started his Virgin Record Company back in the late '60s, early '70s. All the other record executives basically said, "You're just a couple of virgins," because he was just a kid when he started it. Really, I mean, he was 18 or 19 just out of college. So that's why he chose that name for the record label. Hmm. That's the story, huh? Mm-hmm. Now Warren Buffett, I will say Warren Buffett though he's the man. Yeah, he's he he knows what he's doing. <laughs> That's a smart guy. Yeah, I ain't getting on his bad side, so I'm gonna say nice things about him. Oh, but screw Richard Branson, the weirdo. <laughs> I can't stand that guy. <laughs> We're gonna go ballooning. Shut up. Oh, I hate that guy. You know why don't you try instead of all this Playboy. I'm this great adventurer because I'm a bored multi-billionaire and I'm going to build my little rocket ships. I don't know. Try helping more people. Yeah. You know, you want my, if you want to make my list of most admired CEOs, 
How about taking some of that multi-billion dollars that you have and just giving it away to people? Just give it away. Don't give it to organizations that's just going to eat up 80% of the money you gave them in administrative costs. Mm -hmm. In other words, the CEOs of those companies are going to keep the profits for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Just give the money away. Just give it away. You see, and start a foundation like Bill and Melinda Gates did. Yeah. Hey, I got to give up to Bill Gates. They started. That's a, that's a great. Foundation you know what they're doing really with is. their money is great. Yeah. They're fighting uh, AIDS and diseases. Does, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's not giving computers away, which would be you know. No, it's it's doing something a, a hell of a lot tougher, which is basically bringing together governments and scientists and industry to try to combat health problems in developing countries. Yep. So for for that, I give all the props to Bill Gates. Yep. Um, I'd even go so far as to say, what the hell is Steve Jobs doing? Right. And when, when you look at what Bill's doing with his money, you do have to kind of look at Steve and say, Hey, dude, step it up, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Bill Gates is kicking your butt in the, uh, the nice guy department. Yeah. So that's the news. Yep. We're done with that. We do have some feedback, but uh, let's listen to uh, Chris Siebold and uh, our sponsor, Small Dog Electronics. Email, this is Apple Airport Express. You're cleared for wireless takeoff from the living room. Internet, this is Apple Airport Express. You're cleared for landing in the kitchen. iTunes, this is Apple Airport Express. You're coming in nice and easy on our wireless runway. Apple Airport Express from Small Dog Electronics. Wireless networking anywhere you are. Browse, email, print, even listen to music. Wireless. Go wireless now with a 12-inch iBook, Airport Express, and carry case for $11.49. Small Dog Electronics. In Waitsfield and on the web at smalldog.com. Small Dog is wireless. And now, Not Mac News with Chris Siebel. Not Mac News recently intercepted a memo detailing Apple's forthcoming plans for an online movie store. The new system is much more complicated than the iTunes model in an effort to prevent widespread piracy. The plan is as follows. Users will log into their account and purchase the movie they wish to see. Selection may be limited. Apple will then provide users a receipt of the purchase. At some time later, all the people who bought the rights to view the movie can go to a centralized location to watch their purchase. To sweeten the deal, the viewing stations will provide for an outrageous price, refreshments like popcorn and buckets of soda. The model has been called the greatest thing since Fandango.com. Rumors are strong that Apple will be dropping the Firewire port from upcoming iBooks. Not Mac News can confirm the rumor, but can also reveal the Firewire port will be replaced with a new port. The new connection will feature the ability to plug into almost any PC-only peripheral by fooling the device into thinking it is the needed port. The new port will be called LiarWire and will become standard across the Mac line by 2008. Not Mac News is a MyMac.com podcast exclusive. I'm running out of time. Greetings. I interrupt normal programming to tell you about the Charlie Show podcast, which is a weekly look at the life of me, Charlie. We've got a week in news. We've got a week in the life of yours truly. We always have 
three excellent Podsafe tracks. We make some jokes, we have a laugh, and we have a little bit of fun. And you can contribute as well. So, on the assumption that you're vaguely interested in what I have to say, check out thecharlieshow.com for The Charlie Show podcast. The Charlie Show! And, uh, we, Chad and I took a little bit of a break there. We were, uh, talking while we were waiting for our... We were supposed to do an interview tonight. And uh, it still might happen. Yep. But the uh, interviewee hasn't showed up yet, and he didn't respond to uh, our emails. That, well, yeah. Basically, I talked to this person initially and thought, well, yeah, it'd be pretty fun to do an interview mm-hmm. with this person, at which point I handed it off to Chad to coordinate time mm-hmm. and uh, date, and he just hasn't responded yep. after that, you know. Which kind of sucks, because this is a good opportunity for someone to... Mm-hmm pimp their item sure (laughs) (laughs) but uh chad and i were just talking about something quote unquote off the air and essentially what we talked about is backing up your old files what to do with all your old paperwork slash electronic documents yeah it, it started with i was showing chad um an article that i found linked at twit or not mm-hmm. twit um what's the Digs. Uh, dig yeah dig.com uh, from a couple of days ago about uh, this lady, this kid's mother. Well, he's not mm-hmm. a kid anymore. He's in college, I believe. It is yeah. And his mother is, like, super addicted to eBay. She buys everything on eBay. But the mm-hmm. thing is, uh, her house is crammed full of crap. Mm-hmm. Half the stuff she's got on eBay, she hasn't even opened the boxes. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's it's floor-to-ceiling, wall-to-wall junk. Mm-hmm. Just junk. And uh, we were talking about that, and I said, you know, I knew somebody that had an old collection of, like, National Geographics, and he never, ever looked at them, but he mm-hmm. would not throw them away. And yeah. you were talking about someone that you moved. And the uh, same way, and this person actually kept uh, coffee cans full of spent batteries, old uh, TV guides just for the crossword puzzles. Would he actually ever do the crossword puzzles? or I think he would eventually, he would occasionally pick them up and do them, but... He literally had... But like, he wouldn't probably throw them away afterwards. No, no. And so he had, uh, you know, like those tin ream paper boxes yeah. used for printer paper, full of TV guides, several of them. You know, and... And, and it's, it's just like, it's, buy a crossword puzzle book, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> really. But, you know, that's actually a, a pretty common, I don't want to say, it, I, ailment maybe? It's just the, the the psychosis of you can't throw stuff away. You have to keep everything. And I'm guilty of it to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And what I was explaining to Chad was that uh, this was quite a few years ago, but uh, I came across all my old floppy drives mm-hmm. that uh, anytime I had downloaded anything from the Internet, from, well, it wasn't mm-hmm. much of an Internet back then. It was Great Lakes Freenet. It yeah. was eWorld. It was local bulletin board systems. Not even Some of them weren't even local somewhere out mm-hmm. of Chicago and L.A. Um AOL, you know, wherever it was, yeah. I would download it to my desktop, and usually the first thing I would do is I would take, before I'd unstuff it or anything, I would back that up to a floppy disk, and uh, eventually I had a lot of floppy disks, mm-hmm. but files that I, were downlo- that I was downloading back then weren't very large in, in physical, si- or well, in bytes, I right. mean, they were pretty small. Everything was back then because you were on a fourteen four modem or yeah. a twenty eight eight modem. You, you're not going to download <laughs> real big files, and nobody was going to upload really big files for you to download. Yeah. So uh, I came across all of those discs, and I thought I'm probably never going to use any of that stuff in there. 
Mm-hmm. So I should just throw it away. But at the time, zip disks were pretty big. So I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to consolidate all these old floppies to zip disks. Mm-hmm. So when I was done, I had six zip disks full of my old archives. And, of course, some of that stuff I actually did want to keep. Like uh, it was submissions from, like, uh, Mike Wallinga for the old My Mac magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, some old emails. Not, not very many. I didn't keep most of my older emails, which I kind of yeah. wish I would have, so I could actually look and see the date that some of the writers actually started and mm-hmm. and uh, talk about that. So that would be really cool. But we're going to have some of the writers on anyways. Yeah. Um, but, you know, th- a lot of stuff that I've kept over the years. So I had them all on zip disks. Well, I don't know, maybe two two years ago, maybe three years ago, mm-hmm. I decided I was going to get rid of those zip disks because what the hell am I going to do with all these old zip disks? Mm-hmm. But before I did, I hooked up the zip, zip disk to my Mac copied them all over to my hard drive, threw all the zip disks away, but then I took those and burned them to a CD. Uh-huh. All those zip disks, one CD. Yeah. So I went from, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, I mean, well, each zip disk would hold 100 megabytes. Mm-hmm. Well, a little bit less, but yeah. basically 100 megabytes. And each floppy was 1.4 megabytes. So mm-hmm. doing the math, it was probably, what, maybe 60 Oh yeah, floppies per zip. And mm-hmm. I had six of them. And six of them were only 100 megabytes, and a CD-ROM is 600 and, well, 700 megabytes. Yeah. So I, they easily fit on one CD-ROM. So I, I, I still have that information. I still have that bounty of goodness. Mm-hmm. But it's one simple CD put away on a, a spindle that I keep all my old stuff right. like that on. That's the way to keep stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did that review of the scaps, snap, snap scan. Yeah. Right? Snap scan? Snap scan from uh, a couple Kodak. months ago. Was it Kodak? No, no, no it was, it was uh, Fujitsu. Fujitsu, correct. And, uh, it, man, that thing just scans so fast. Mm. And, uh, and Chan and I were talking about how we've kept, like, old pay stubs. And I've got pay stubs from 1984 still. Not very many, but I've still got a couple of those. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been divorced once. Mm-hmm. Uh, my oldest daughter came from that marriage. And I still have my divorce papers. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty good stack of, yeah. of stuff. What do I need to keep that for in a physical form? Wouldn't that make much more sense to use that little scanner, scan them all in as a PDF, and save them that way? Mm-hmm. You know, I can keep a copy at home. And and this goes for if you guys are looking to consolidate some of this paperwork in your yeah. house. Uh, I'm not talking about birth certificates. I mean, you should scan those in anyways, but... You really do need that. Yeah, you need to retain the original copy of those. Um, But, you know, you got so much of this old paperwork that you're just never, ever probably going to get to. But it's stuff that maybe you would want to get to. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it make more sense to scan them in, burn them to DVD or CD, Mm -hmm. keep a copy at your house, and then also keep a copy at a relative's house in case your house burns down? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm doing with pictures. Oh, yeah, that'll get a safe deposit box. Or that, too, yeah. Well, I'm I'm trying to think the cheap way. Yeah. You know, just a relative could hold it for you. Sure. Um, old tax records, all that kind of stuff. Burn it to CD and put it in a safe deposit box. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then get rid of the originals. You don't need all that stuff in your house. Yeah. I mean, your house, everybody's, your house is really to hold your stuff. If you didn't have so much stuff, you wouldn't need a house, or at least as big as you have. Right. But we have a lot of stuff, and we're always acquiring new stuff. I mean, every new piece of electronics you buy, for the most part, comes with an operator's manual. 
most mm-hmm. of us never even look at them. But, right. But there's occasion that you need to go back and check something because something's either not working right or you just don't understand. Well, all that kind of stuff you could find online now. Mm-hmm. I bet if you've bought something within the last five years, I bet you could jump online and you could find a PDF copy of that manual. Well, and chances are a lot of, a lot of hardware that you buy now comes with a CD-ROM with the actual manual and PDF form. Yep. I know our our, our, our digital camera did. Almost uh, everything does yeah, nowadays. The iPods do. Yep. And so, you know, if you've already got those kind of things in electronic media, why not everything else? Yeah. I mean, I'm serious. As, as I'm sitting here talking, I'm thinking, you know, I've got like a five-year-old lawnmower, and I still have the manual for it. And mm-hmm. I use the manual mostly for... Um, changing the spark plugs or stuff like that. I want to check to see what model number I'm Yeah, when you're doing your own service stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I really do need that manual. But wouldn't it make more sense if I took the staple out of the manual and just scanned it all in? Mm -hmm. That would make much more sense. Number one, it would be easier to find the information because I know where that manual is. Now Mm -hmm. I've got to hunt around what I do with the manual. and It should be in this box with the other manuals, but it's not. But I've got manuals from like four stereos ago <laughs> you know and i think to myself when i'm going through there looking for something that i need i should throw this away i don't write them because i'm in the middle of looking for something else mm-hmm. but i never go back and and do that and just getting rid of all the paperwork in your house not all of it obviously but a lot of it a good amount of mm-hmm. it wouldn't that make more sense store it electronically sure instead of physically how much more freedom you would have Mm-hmm. to buy more stuff to put in those spaces <laughs> or even to keep the space you live in nice and neat i mean yeah exactly. that's a big plus right there to begin with well well when you have three kids like i do um you make room for their stuff you got to make room for their stuff and <laughs> all the manuals for the little stupid things you got to put together for them yeah oh but uh i don't know i know that's kind of getting off on a tangent but i think that going electronic for documentation mm-hmm. has risks Insofar as if someone comes across that disk, they could potentially have, you know, if, if you're copying your old checks in, for instance, and stuff like that, um, old phone bill, stuff like that, Yeah, they could probably potentially get a lot of information about you and steal your identity. And I know mm-hmm. that's kind of the buzzword now, ooh, identity theft, identity yeah. theft. But let's be honest, do you know anybody who's ever had a problem with identity theft? I don't. Uh, not personally. I think the only thing, my sister actually had someone who was, when she was in college, who was charging phone service in her name, but they didn't use, they didn't use her social security number. And they didn't get it through the computer either. No. The most, you know, uh, uh, identity theft online, people will try to make that sound like a big scary thing going on. And it's really not. Most people get uh, information about you to use as, you know, if, if you're the victim mm-hmm. of, of identity theft, and I was the bad guy, and I wanted to get mm-hmm. information on you. I wouldn't try to hack into your computer. I'd wait till you threw your stuff away in garbage day out by the curb, and I'd go and I'd pick up your garbage. I guarantee you, if I did that for a month, I'd learn more about you in that one month than I could a solid two years trying to hack in and get into your computer. And to be honest, most people who can hack at that level aren't, aren't looking so much for the small the individuals they're going for the big company computers they're going for the big enterprise level systems where they can get thousands of records on, pe- on exactly. thousands of people yep. and including farm that credit all out. card numbers yep. and and then they're going to sell the huge amount of data rather than one person yep. so you know yes archiving all your stuff electronically is there risks sure it's probably less than a risk of keeping all that paperwork in your house for a burglar to come in and easily mm-hmm. say 
that's a bank account yep. uh, statement and steal that instead of trying to find one CD-ROM. Mm-hmm. And plus, you can always encrypt your, your data as well. I mean, a program mm-hmm. like Stuff It, you can actually uh, stuff an item using Stuff It and password protect it, and yep. it won't open it unless you have that password. Mm-hmm. doesn't look like our uh, interviewee is showing up tonight, so that's kind of a bummer. I was looking forward to uh, an interview tonight. So uh, let's say we get into some uh, reader feedback. All right. Klaus Wolf uh, sent us feedback on our video podcast. Yeah, you forwarded that to me, and I do appreciate what he had to say. It uh, some, <coughs> some pointers that we probably need to look at in the future. Yeah. I think the biggest thing we probably need to look at is shortening the video podcasts, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know, a little bit probably uh, more to the point. Uh, we we probably, I mean, thirteen minutes is probably a little bit too long. That we could have done that, like I said earlier, within five five to seven minutes, and still conveyed the information that we need. Yeah, I think we just need to script out the major points that we wanted to make with it. And if, but of course, that being said, I don't want it too scripted. Yeah. You know, there's there's a fine line there. Um, I did get one email. Let me uh, pop this one up. Um, I, it, he didn't sign his name, but it's Ermore. Uh, I-R-M-O-R-E. Ermore. Sends, uh, I would like to know where I can get a copy of Mac OS 8.6 for free, if possible. I am only running this Mac for fun. It's an old 5260, which is an all-in-one mm-hmm. computer. I would like to see if I can get it running on my network. Well, uh, I sent him a, a link to uh, the free update to Mac OS 8.6 from Apple.com uh, supports area, but... Uh, I don't think you can legally download it for free yet as far as the complete installer. That's just an update that I sent him. Uh, I I think it would be nice if Apple went and released all of their OSs up until Mac OS X for free online for people with older computers because I think that begs the question, is there value in those old machines? I think there are. I think there's a lot of value in those old machines. And uh, if someone comes across an old Mac that doesn't have an operating system, or the hard drive is bad, mm-hmm. you can still buy an old, a still a, a relatively cheap SCSI drive to put in there. Yeah. That's what uh, most of those old Macs use is SCSI drives. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have IDE, but most of them had old SCSI drives. Uh, it'd be great if Apple would simply support um, the old users in as far as supplying the old OSs. But they're they're not making a dime on those anymore, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying open source it or anything like that. I'm simply saying, hey, let us download Mac OS nine for free. Let us yeah. download eight point six or eight point They do have, I think, though it only goes up to seven point five for free mm-hmm. online. Um, but you know, it's I think that would be a really cool thing to do. Yeah, um, they probably don't have a lot of requests out there for it, but I think that. There are probably a lot of people who would appreciate it. Yeah. I've actually got every operating system from, like, still to this day from, like, 7.0 up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I keep them. But then again, I do come across old Macs that that has come in handy yeah. before. Um, remember our uh, buddy Dan Brule? He was one of our contest winners. Yep. Uh, I actually got him on the phone that one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sends uh, me an, an email, says, uh, about... Uh, he's at a loss why the religious right um, think that the .xx top-level domain is a bad idea. And he basically agrees with John Dvork about that. Um, 
I guess I should probably explain what that is. Yeah. Um, ICANN basically ruled that they're not going to go with the .xxx domain service. Mm-hmm. And what that was for is basically for pornographers yep. online to have that domain instead of .com. Mm-hmm. There was nothing out there that said they had to give up their .com name, but here's .xxx. Right. Um Basically, the porn industry was all for that because it would have made finding porn easier for those who want to find it. Because right. if you know something's at .xxx, you know that's porn. Right. Um, you know, for a long time, and I think I've mentioned this in the past, uh, whitehouse.com for a long time was a porn site. Mm-hmm. Whitehouse.gov Gov was the White House. Yeah, know, that yeah. was the, That was the official website. How many kids in a school just typed in whitehouse.com and went to the wrong site. Right. Um, Pornographers aren't interested in people accidentally hitting their site and being offended. Mm -hmm. That's not their customers. Just like, you know, if if there was some big chain of McDonald's, (laughs) but it was just (laughs) M-A-C, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they went to My Mac, thinking that they were going to find the recipe for the Big Mac or something. Mm Mm-hmm. They'd be disappointed. Well, right. I don't. I don't want those people coming to my site because I don't have anything to offer them that they're interested in. Right. They didn't find me, and I'd hope somebody would find us like that and say, "Ooh, this is a good site. I'm going to come back here and bookmark us." Mm-hmm. But I want the people that are going to find us to be able to find us easily. Right. Doubly so for the porn people. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. Right. And and right now, no, you don't have to look very hard to find porn porn on the on the internet. No, you just do a Google search and type in porn and you're there. Oh, so. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, But I still think that what the .xxx really was about was um, so the porn customer could find them quickly. Mm-hmm. But it also gave a really good way for places like public libraries and stuff to block the .xxx. Yeah, sure. Because, again, porn, the people that run the porn sites, they don't want their stuff being displayed in a public area like a library. Mm-hmm. It's bad for business. It's bad right. PR. And they don't want that. They're a, yes, they're in the skin business, but don't forget the business aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Then that's big business. Yeah. And they don't want the hassle. They don't want the headache. And it would have been much easier on everybody. Um, but a lot of, and as Dan puts it, the religious right came out in... Uh, opposed to this, and he mm-hmm. could not figure out why. And my answer is a simple: real. It, it's really simple that they have to appor- uh, oppose porn in any and all forms. Mm-hmm. So of course the members of those groups have to oppose it. They mm-hmm. they cannot come out in favor of anything that even remotely sounds pro porn. Right. Most of them are probably you know closet porn freaks, anyways. <laughs> But that's neither here nor there. I wouldn't go that far. I would. Oh, are you kidding me? (laughs) With the amount of money that porn makes in this country, you're telling me that all these people that are opposed to .xxx, they're really opposed to porn? Mm -hmm. They just don't want people to know that that's really their secret weird stuff that they do. Because they're ashamed of it. I mean, you know, it's it's ridiculous. And I think it was a great idea, the .xxx domain. Um, I still think it's a great idea. Uh, it would give businesses a, a clear and easy way to block. You're not going to block all porn, but no. At least you can block the .xxx stuff and the responsible porn businesses that mm-hmm. want to conduct legally. They want to reach their customers and and their demographic. You're not going to accidentally wind up on on somebody's monitor in an inappropriate place if you right. have the .xxx website. I mean, 
It well, and, and just me. as a concerned parent, if you're really that concerned about, and I think most parents are concerned about blocking that stuff from their kids. I won't let my kids browse the internet by themselves. Right. No, it doesn't happen. And that's an easy way to block out, at least to, to segregate a large amount of it. Exactly. I mean, now, I think if they'd actually made them migrate and just tell the, the folks that have, you know, blah, 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 dot com and are, you know, and have porn, just say, well, you need to migrate to the dot XXX, that probably may have been a better selling point for the religious right, because then they basically would have kept them all in one spot, just like we do right now with zoning laws. So, I, uh, but, no, you know, I was going to mm. talk about this website. Someone sent me an email asking if we could, uh, I guess you could say, pimp their website. Uh-huh. And it sounded like a cool website in the, uh, in the email that I sent, but then I go there and it's just nothing but basically spam links all over the place, mm. which I'm like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell people like that. Uh, so don't send me spam disguised as reader comment and, uh, cause you're not going to get your spam mentioned on the show. <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Slough from last week you know, sent me an email. So, dude, I, I, I don't think I'm getting your show correctly. Mm. And what happened is we've got two RSS feeds on the site. Uh, the main RSS feed, which is linked at the top of the page, mm-hmm. gives you the RSS link for everything that's going on in the site. Unfortunately, um, RSS still is pretty imprecise. Yeah. And if you use a strange character in certain headers and other articles, it could throw off your RSS feed until that article has moved off the top page. Mm-hmm. And that's been happening lately, and I can't pinpoint exactly why mm. it's doing it. Uh, as such, the best way to get this podcast and to make sure you're getting the most current podcast when they're released is simply to use iTunes. And subscribe to it. Because that one, I actually hand code the RSS feed that feeds the iTunes uh, podcasting section. Yeah. So, And I check it as soon as uh, I code that. I'm immediately going to iTunes and hitting update. Sure enough, there it is. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, yeah, but if I use iTunes, it might not show up in the iTunes listing for a day or two because that's been known to happen. The thing is, though, if you hit update in your podcast window, Mm -hmm. it will actually physically go and look at each one of the RSS feeds and see if there's anything new. So even though Apple may not list it on the Apple podcast page, Mm -hmm. it will actually list it in the podcast that you're subscribed to, and it will download it. So you'll actually download it. iTunes will see it and download it before the main listing in iPod, in iTunes will see it. So mm-hmm. and it's just it's really funky that way and it's it's been like that since iTunes went live, unfortunately. <laughs> um I think that's pretty much it this week, I think. Okay. Um I'm kinda of thrown off a little bit because our interviewee didn't show up, but these things happen. You know, I'm actually seriously considering starting a second podcast. Yeah, um, that would be a music podcast hmm. because I'm just I'm totally impressed with some of the music that I'm listening to. That's pod safe. That's yeah. um, legal download that you can listen to without having to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the the bands that provide that service are hoping that you come to their website and maybe purchase some music from them that way. Yep. But it's not like the recording industry type of um, the way they do business. Right. And. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of radio music shows or podcast radio shows out there that play music and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, there's a part of me that really... I mean, it'd be, let's be honest, it'd be pretty simple for me to do that. Yeah. I just do a quick intro, 
talk about each song, you know, where to find it, where to find mm-hmm. the band, and then play a song. I could pound one of those out in no time at all. My end of it, I could record the whole thing in 20 to 30 minutes, yeah. and then just drop in the songs where I need them. And I'm seriously considering doing that, because I'm just really, really impressed with Podsafe Music, and I like to possibly um, promote it some more. Yeah. And we and this is just not a show that we're going to start playing music on. No. I have no interest in, in playing music in this podcast last week, obviously being an, an exception. exception. Sure. Um, but it was kind of warranted. It's a worthy exception, yes. I think, in that case. It, yeah. Well, um, it, it would have been worthy even if we played it you know, completely out of the blue, but we actually yeah. did an interview with the person that was in charge of creating that song, mm-hmm. Slough, which is podsafeforpeace.org. We do want to promote that. Um, so I'm thinking about it. I haven't made up my mind yet. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I ain't got enough to do already. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know why I want to. I just I have this itch. I listen to Podsafe music, and I'm like, I so want, I so want to have my own show where I'm just kind of, and I don't even care how many people subscribe to it, to be honest. If yeah. there's 100 people that would listen to it and to see some of the new songs that I found that mm-hmm. I think is worth listening to, that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be fun to do. Give me something else to listen to in my car other than um, NPR. and <laughs> I know. I know it. <laughs> and Twit. You know, <laughs> we've talked about in the past that we really enjoy This Week in Tech. Yes. They need to have a little bit less people on that show, I think. Uh, lately, I've been listening to it, and so many of them are talking at the same time. Mm-hmm. that I can't follow any one conversation. I'm like, okay, guys, there's four or five of you talking over the top of each other yeah. over and over and over. Some of you guys need to shut up and realize that this is supposedly an audio show and your audience are going to get frustrated if they can't understand what the hell you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I just, It's irritating to me. I'm like, one person at a time. yeah, Or at least just two people. If you're going to have a conversation, one person talks, then the next person talks. Mm-hmm. But they're just like, there's two conversations going. Well, and they've talked about it on the show themselves, so they know yeah, that they, they know it. it's just, a problem. Yeah. I just wish they would correct it, because I I, I love that show. I think it's yeah. a great podcast. Um, I just get really frustrated sometimes. Some mics are turned way down. Some are way loud. That's the only thing that probably annoys me the most, is that there are some mics that are turned way down, and so when somebody does have a legitimate comment, you can barely yeah. hear them. But, yeah. but you know, the thing is, though, I really listen to that show for two people. You know, and I listened for, to it for Leo. And you listened for John Dwork, yeah. And if they had their own show, just the two of them, I'd probably listen to that just as readily as I do Twit. Mm-hmm. Because I think everything that they talk about, um, those two have the opposing views that everyone seems to. Everybody Polarized else on the show with, yeah. is it's you're either on the Dwork side or on you know. I just wish they'd kind of go that route because I think yeah. it would be just as interesting. And almost everybody that's on Twit has their own podcast on the side anyway, so mm-hmm. <laughs> let's yeah. focus on the two guys I want to hear. <laughs> it's a good show. You guys yes, should check it, it out. Um, do a search at the uh, iTunes Music Store podcast directory for Twit This Week in Tech, and uh, there's a free plug for them. Yep. Like, like they need plugs from us. No, they don't. This is uh, Tim and Chad signing off. See ya. See ya.